This week's episode is sponsored by Hotel 50 Bowery in New York City. The hotel is situated on the edge of Chinatown in the midst of great restaurants, shopping and galleries. They allow pets so you can bring your dog or your parakeet or your pet horse like I did. Actually, maybe check on the situation with bringing horses. They may have made an exception for James. There's a well-equipped gym where I push back the very boundaries of what the human body can achieve. There's a rooftop bar with incredible views of iconic NYC buildings like St. Paul's Cathedral, the Gherkin and Magpie on 10 Hedden Street. Or when that excitement gets too much, you can sit up there nursing a beer and reading the Da Vinci Code and pretending you're deep like James did. The rooms are super comfortable, well-appointed, and not the usual tiny boxes you get in most New York hotels. They're the perfect place for some serious nap time and some serious eating club sandwiches in the nude time. Go to hotel50bowerymyc.guestreservations.com to make a reservation now. By staying here, you can follow in the footsteps of greatness. You can stay where the ticky-off boys did. It's a fantastic hotel in a great city, and if it was a question on overrated, underrated, it would absolutely be underrated. Well, that's all going on with the, you know, with the millennium, with the snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they got nothing else to do. They're either on their phone or waiting online. Reality. I gave you the, 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 the hot places there. And they turned it into a two-floor restaurant. So it's jumping there. There's a bar upstairs. There's a bar downstairs. There's sexy women there. You know, it's... You can look it up on your... On your Freaking iPhone. What are you asking Come on, you're a snowflake. iPhone questions. Look it up. Yeah, snowflake. Look it up. <laughs> or millenniums. You guys have got children. We are sitting on the, I don't know what floor, 18th floor? 20th? No, it goes to 20 and then this. I reckon that makes it the 21st. Could be, yeah. Although they don't have floor 13, do they? No. So it's actually tw- technically the 20th. Anyway, we're some high distance up in the air. Looking over Bowery, I think. Is it? Yeah. In New York City. Ticky off on the road. Again. Yeah. Yeah? What do you reckon? What do you reckon for that? I was trying to work out if we are on Bowery, but it doesn't really matter, does it? it we'll say we are. Yeah. Where we are. I ran down that street, so it's not Bowery. We've seen... Um, from here you can see St Paul's Cathedral, the Gherkin, some creepy black smoke that just came out of the building over there, which I reckon could well be ghosts. Ghost, mo- ghost, yeah. ghost activity. Bad energy. Yeah, the Eiffel Tower yonder. Yeah. How many of these buildings do you think you can actually name? Very few. Very few. Chrysler Building, that's yeah. about it. Done. Empire State, done. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. Out. That's the one with a big spike on top. You seen any post boxes? Did you see? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually. Are we going to keep that joke going? I don't know. Um, is it a good joke? No. Oh, one we do need to do. Um, where's Jackson Boxer stuck today? <laughs> ah, he's stuck in a pot of yogurt. Oh, okay. How'd he get in there? Um, don't know. Okay. We'll ask him another time when he understands. I don't, I'm really worried that he, he's going to like, think we're being unkind. Whereas it's just a surreal joke. Yeah, I don't think it's unkind. We're, we're concerned about where he keeps getting stuck. So, um, yeah, yeah, James, the Big Apple. Why are we? Some here? people call it that. Why do they call it that? I don't know. Why are we here? We are here um, 
Well, the build, the build for Sons and Daughters, our salmon shop, kept getting knocked back. Actually, I haven't told you, Sam, it's got knocked back again. Really? Not dramatically, but one week, which I knew was going to happen anyway. Um, so we just thought, let's make the most of this extra time we have to go on an essential research trip to New York City. Yeah. Um, which is why we're here. We're in the lovely Hotel 50 Bowery in Chinatown who very kindly put us up and that's hence the sponsorship at the beginning and it's quite hot yeah it's very we're hot we're schwetzing um, yeah it is hot a lot of walking yesterday for sandwiches in the heat talk, one. talk our listeners through um, through the sandwiches we had yesterday um, we went to Cheeky Sandwiches first Cheekies which is super sort of independent hole in the wall place uh, yeah, yeah it, that sort of edgy interiors that is just sort of not even edgy for fashion reasons it's just literally a shack kind of thing yeah it, um, in my head the itinerary was sort of relatively polished and um, you know kind of modern sandwich shops and I, to start there was quite yeah. interesting uh, actually I, I liked it a lot but I mean it's, it's like, it was like a corridor restaurant yeah with like cardboard Covering a smash window, and, but they're very nice. Now, it? it was good. Corrugated iron roofs. Yeah. Um, and then we went to. Where did we go after that? Oh, then we went to Katz's. Katz's. A lot of people haven't heard of Katz's. Yeah. Um, let me talk you through it. It's a uh, it's a deli, which is short for delicatessen. And uh, there's a famous film called When Harry Met Sally, and a woman in that has sex or something. Yeah, he has sex in a sandwich. She has sex with an apple pie. <laughs> um, Stifler's mum. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Katz's does need no introduction, but I did a photo on Instagram and captioned it, um, real undiscovered gem this. And I was deli-splained by someone who was like, um, actually, that's the most famous deli in New York. Yeah, Jesus. Um, Irony bypass. We had a big old sandwich. We ate it on a... Um, <laughs> Like a sort of intersection on a bench, <laughs> surrounded by trash, uh, in the sun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it didn't sort of blow our minds really. I mean, yeah. I, I've been there before once, and it's like it's fine. I kind of like Monty's better. Yeah. More flavour. I think I Monty's. like Monty's better. I mean, if context is everything, our context was a bench surrounded by trash. Yeah. With, uh, on a dual carriageway. Yeah. With sunburn and sort of flight hangover. Um, and then we went to Palm, which is the sort of mini chain by the major food group boys, and um, and it was fun. I kind of thought that I said at the time it would just be a cool place to take your kids, you know, go and get a meatball sub or a, what do we have a chicken palm? Yeah, chicken palm on a hero. Sam, I know you're self-conscious because we're doing this in public, but I think you're gonna have to talk up a bit. Oh really? Yeah. There's uh, no one in here, barely. Um, it's breakfast time. What? How's my levels? I feel like my You're levels are very right. low. You're not Am talking I? loud enough. Speak okay. up. Oh, uh, all right. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fine. It was nice. We like the sesame seeds on the hero. We roll did more than we like the sandwich. I think. Do you know what I also thought, and I didn't say it at the time? The eat, it's not a good sandwich eating wise because with all the sauce, yeah, tomato sauce in there, yeah, the chicken palm or the chicken schnitz or whatever you yeah. call it in there kind of runs away Cut from it. you. Every time you bit into it, it, yeah. would, it would squirt away from your teeth. Yeah, but I think one of the things that I have noticed in the three places we've been is that the simplicity of eating 
and structural integrity and stuff doesn't mean shit at least not here yeah you know we're kind of quite paranoid about it and working yeah. on it trying to make sure things hold together and you can eat them relatively um you know without destroying your trousers trousers <laughs> but but here you know like the cats's thing is just like you know it's, it's like a bomb's gone off in a yeah yeah best thing actually about cats is we didn't say for me was the uh, pickle packet oh yeah you get a packet of pickles yeah you can get a plate of pickles if you eat in or a packet of pickles to go where do you stand on the plate versus packet on the pickle front I prefer a a packet of pickles because it's not something you see very often and then you get half fresh pickle and half old pickle yeah old salty pickle it's pretty good but I don't know whether Katz has pioneered the pickle packet or (laughs) they're not pickle packet pioneers (laughs) no they're not um and also, but also, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much that, I mean, obviously, in Cats is an institution, and when, you, when you're that established, you can, I'm not going to say get away with, but you can, you know, you have, certainly have more latitude. And, you know, all we're thinking about is, like, how, how does it work for the customer? How do you make it as easy as possible, as unconfusing as possible for yeah. the customer so that they can just walk in and know what they want? You know, this to the extent that we were going to do funny names for our sandwiches. We were like, but then you've got to read the funny name and then read what's in it. Yeah. As opposed to just saying what the sandwich is. Uh, whereas you go to Katz's and it's fucking mayhem. And you don't know where the line is. You yeah. know, we were sort of mooching around and got shouted at by some woman yeah (laughs) Um, we got harangued a lot yesterday yeah we did which you said actually was people talk about you know restaurant scenes or whatever London New York but it's definitely so different so different and so alien and the the sort of version of hospitality in New York has has always had that sort of edge which you just wouldn't get away with in London in London they'd just be like you're just rude motherfucker Except in sort of Chinatown. Sure. But here is sort of everywhere. You yeah. get yelled at. You yeah. Know. We went to Uncle Boone's for dinner and, like, the, we, they said, oh, they've got a table in 20 minutes. And we said, okay, we'll just pop out and get a drink. And she was like, don't go far. You know, <laughs> yeah. sort of that. You're sort of getting harangued around the place, which is fine. You know, it's not sort of unpleasant. But I think definitely if you were a sensitive soul, you would get um, pretty uptight about it. It helps the anxiety that you know that every other person in Katz is also a tourist there for the first time sure not knowing what the fuck they're doing yeah but it's a very confusing system I, I, I wonder if if, um, if Burley's Robin Burley yeah um, based their system on Katz's because but Burley's makes no sense to me and neither does Katz's that you you go I mean Katz's does more because the guys are making your sandwich so they don't want to be handling money but uh, you order your sandwich and they write on your ticket and you take your sandwich and you go and pay it on the way out. Burley's, you order it from someone, get given a ticket, go to the other end of the room, pay for it, and come back, you know. Yeah. Confusing system, Sam. It you know, is. And we're systems-driven gentlemen. <laughs> we had quite the drive into New York yesterday as well with, what's the geezer's name? Dennis. Dennis, Dennis Greenberg. Dennis Greenberg who was our Uber driver yeah he was like a character out of Curb Your Enthusiasm who sort of was shouting at us and yelling at us to write down his recommendations for various places and there was one in specifically which you you probably should try you kids writing this down yeah you snowflakes called you a snowflake didn't you Um, listen to this guy he said about me yeah and he's driving along showing us photos of his daughters on his phone and kept telling us how attractive his daughters were grown women um, with their kids and whatnot but you didn't sort of know what to say so I think I said you must be so proud you said that about eight times (laughs) 
And then starts showing his pictures of his wife. She's like, uh, that one's my wife. She's 64. Would you believe that? She's yeah. 64. She looks great. And he had um, he had the Yiddish word for um, large breasts. Which, which we've forgotten. We've forgotten, but it was a hell of a word. He was very proud of that. You know that word? I think Good I can. <laughs> yeah. I think I said to him, oh, you must be very proud. <laughs> Um, but he was a good guy. Oh, We're going to email. I him. haven't tipped him yet. We need to um, go, go to some of his recommendations. But there is one place in particular. He kept, he rang his friend um, to find out the name of this place down some alleyway where he said all the models go. This is it's a new place, so we should probably check that out. But he lived quite the life. He used to work for um, Goose from Top Gun. Yeah, and has a multi-millionaire buddy who takes him fishing in the Panama Canal. What a guy! Yeah, everyone. When you get into JFK next time, try and get an Uber driven by a one yeah. Dennis Greenberg. Yeah, we've got his email address as well, so if anyone wants it, we can pass it on. Okay, I'm really regretting what just happened there. What happened? I just got my coffee and then I saw that the, uh, the the waiter gentleman had disappeared, so I thought I'd hit the buffet for a second time and hope that's not incurring extra costs. So I furtively grabbed what I thought was a pan of chocolate, but I can now see it's got some sort of lemony thing in it. Is that lemony? Or just custody? It's custody, good. Custody. Yeah, good. Hey, mate. I'm having a bite. Okay. Mm. It was more than a bite, mate. It's delicious. So tell me about Coldplay, Sam. Yeah. Your new favourite band. I've fallen down a bit of a rabbit hole. Yeah. Because I watched, on the plane, I watched um, the Coldplay documentary, Head Full of Dreams, isn't it? Or is that mm. the album? Fuck those. Um, and I was like, they got some songs. And um, I thought it was interesting. So... Being me, predictably, I've got decided that I have to read every interview, every review, and listen to all the albums. So that's what I was doing this morning. That's why I was late for our breakfast this morning, because I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole of cold play. And have you made any conclusions? They've got some good songs and a lot of garbage. Okay, we already knew that. But we knew that before you even watched that documentary. Yeah. So you've just reinforced what you already knew. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's, um, I don't know, what do you, how do you feel about Coldplay? Well, I also listened to them on my run. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Did you listen to Politic? That's yeah. That's the best song. That's uh, a good song. Yeah. And it was interesting what you said about, um, about the sort of, well, not just Radiohead, but, you know, when I was in a band even, it'd be like, yeah, we could do that, but it seems really obvious, so let's go that direction. And you were just saying, yeah, but cool. it's just better. Just do it in a way that's better. Yeah. And when you take the songs individually, it's like that, that, that is the best version of doing that as opposed to some like subtle, you know, um, low key coda. Yeah. But taken as, a, as an oeuvre, it's yeah. like, oh, they just do the same thing with every song. Um, anyway, sweet cold play chat. Yeah, but so I wonder if there's an, uh, an, uh, a comparison to be made here with also the way we go about writing menus. And, and and composing dishes. It's like, well, we could do that, but that's too obvious. Yeah. So beef and horseradish just is too easy a combo. Yeah. Let's do beef and vanilla custard. So does that mean that we're basically making annoying Radiohead album versions of great Radiohead songs they've done live? Yes. Yeah. Or we're Coldplay. No, we're not Coldplay. Uh, okay. Whereas yeah. I don't know who would be a cold play restaurant. You know, not innovative, but it's just going to be delicious, and you're having, you know, most people are going to have a great time there. But you might get a bit bored. Yeah, and sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah, what is a restaurant? And I think it's good to have that combination because it's like sometimes you do want to be challenged, and, and, you know, I'd rather do the restaurants we do and the food we do than just go Route 1. But sometimes Route 1's all you want. I mean, 
Do you know what? Actually, it was maybe then it's a bit like Palm. Oh, we went to, yeah. But we had a discussion yesterday in Palm about how it's those, the major food group, whatever, um, Teresium, Carboni, um, Carbone, I don't know how you say that. Um, Carbone. Um, but that they hadn't sort of amped up like that chicken palm. It was a chicken yeah. palm like you would get in an Italian deli anywhere. It yeah. wasn't some sort of specked up version. Not even like, you could keep it all under the hood, but yeah. like the most amazing tomato sauce, the most amazing chicken cutlet. It was just like, oh, that would be what you would get anywhere. Hawksmoor is the cold play of restaurants. Yeah. Well, but that sounds like a selling horse. Yeah, it does. But but then but that's why I'm saying is maybe we shouldn't be dissing cold place so much. Yeah. So maybe that is a compliment. But I don't know whether anyone would take that if somebody said, "Oh, your restaurant is the Coldplay of restaurants." <laughs> but just crap. Yeah, I was going to say you, you never have a bad time at Hawksmoor, but you do have a bad time listening to Coldplay if you choose wrong. No, I don't. Maybe uh, this is a, a rabbit hole. See? Yeah. See, I told you. Also, not a lot of people know, but Will, the founder of Hawksmoor, drums for Coldplay. Yeah. Have you ever seen them in the same room together? No. They so could, there you go. Yeah. Sweet Coldplay chat. Do you like the way I say Coldplay? Coldplay. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's the sort of thing I would do. Yeah. Coldplay. Well, we're off uh, on a little walk down to the river to meet Chef Jess Shadbolt, who uh, is a British-born um, cuisinier. So that's French. Some people say that. They don't say that. Uh, she is an alumna of the River Cafe, and along with her friend Claire de Boer, runs King Restaurant in New York. So we're going to go and see what it's like being Englishman in New York. Yeah, after the Englishman in New York jam, we'll be with Jess Shadbolt. Wake boom, up. Boom, wake up. Make you a nice cup of coffee. I we're, promise we're you I'm going to rest. Can you come it's, to the restaurant and where I've got? I've just been looking at your. Obviously, the menu is. Um, well, it's is, is probably very out feast. of date. Yeah, but it looks. Is it very out of date? Um, I don't cool. think so. I mean, it's, it's said a sample. Maybe it's more spring. Okay, I do. I'm glad that you're not. I mean, we obviously have to update ours every week at Pigeon, but it's still. Um, you know, everything else to do with the website falls by the wayside. And... I hate all that stuff. So, but, but is Pigeon, because so, I remember coming then, I got, I was such a groupie, clearly, but I went, so, came to your place, and then I think you did another pop-up in this beautiful space. So I was trying, did, did you come to the sub-club at the flat? Yes. Right. And also, <laughs> somewhere else. We did it in a little... In Angel or like... Holloway, is in Road. Maybe. It's like a really... <clears throat> it was really beautiful. It kind of was almost um, like wooden tables. Yeah, like a kind of almost an atrium or a kind yeah, of a conservatory. Yeah, or a like, kind of coffee shop on... Yeah, Holloway. exactly that. Yeah. God, why did I go? I was clearly like fangirl. Well, so that was when Sam and I... So the in the flat, it was just me and then... Rosie. Rosie. Yes. Um, but I love her book. And then... You. Yeah. Oh, is it, oh, actually, it might be at the restaurant. I uh, like, it's like where I start most of my. Just what? Is that right? No. No, 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 everyone gets them mixed up. No, there's another. I, I do have hers as well. It's a good book. We just did the um, uh, launch for her um, book at the restaurant. I, really? I've seen it. Um, only just come out. Literally just came out. This is I'm Breakfast really... by Emily Elise Miller. Yeah. I've never heard of her. She's, um, she started doing like uh, breakfast clubs. Oh. 
Okay. And um, <clears throat> kind of, this is a collection of her stories and kind of like getting to know and working with chefs and other people. Um, and it's a kind of 360 on breakfast, like a global okay. account. Um, so from sort of Scottish scones and like all the way through to like Mexican breakfast. Oh, it's like cool. a really lovely, yeah. Proper global celebration. celebration. So we, let's not, let's not talk about Sigurada for now at least, <laughs> but I would like to go back to that just in terms of, you know, yeah. it's nice to talk about myself, but um, you, uh, we asked Will Beckett if he could suggest any cool people um, to, to do the pod with when we were over here. And uh, yours was the first name he plucked out of the air. So, um, how do you know Will? So, when I moved to New York, uh, I got introduced to, um, through a great friend of mine, um, who's very connected in restaurants. He is a British man, but he knows everyone, like, and everything in the New York dining scene. And he was like, hey, did you hear that Hawksmoor's opening in New York? And I was like, whoa, no. So he introduced me to the guy who was opening it called Tommy, and he's subsequently turned out to be a really great friend of mine, um, and his wife. And... Then one night, Tommy said, oh, can we get a... It was his birthday, actually. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he said, oh, I love a table at the King. Um, and, you know, Will Beckett's coming. I was like, oh, man, like, that's a big deal. Um, and I ended up joining them for dinner, as I tend to do, get distracted. <laughs> and we just ended up having this fabulous time. And I was completely, like, all I wanted to do was, like, pick his brains. Yeah. Like, how do you... How did you do it like That's from one do. restaurant to yeah. two like and how are you so like relaxed about it and how are you doing one in New York um and yeah we just I mean I'm not gonna lie there was a lot of wine involved yes. and I think um we did some dancing in the bar late night <laughs> hours I bet um, he's got some moves on him Hello. oh yeah um, but we had a great time and I was just so and he, he's you know Tommy who's opening the restaurant um and Hawks and as a group has ended up being like a really great kind of friend in the city even though they're still kind of yet to open they did a big beef tasting the other day oh wow and they spent a lot of time in trying to find um good product which we struggled with when we first got here particularly with protein and beef and because the farming like, the way it's done here is so different <clears throat> and uh but anyway so. i think i don't know i think maybe it's the the, the traceability is kind of pretty accountable in the UK given that we're a much smaller country mm. doesn't it all go to central abattoirs wherever it's supposed here. to be yeah. yeah and you know when we first got here and hit the ground we sort of were talking to chefs and sort of saying right you know where do you get your beef from like where's the best and obviously they're not into grass fed beef so much mm. here either it's just sort of it's in a bit of pretty inverse and we got sent in all these different directions and we were kind of stunned. We were like, you know what, this isn't good. This isn't, like, sustainable. I didn't, you know, the product itself didn't feel like that of what we were used to um, working with sort of smaller farmers in the UK. Um, and so it, was, it took a while, it took a really long time to kind of really, like, kind of dig out some good good suppliers which we've subsequently done so I feel but um and likewise Hawksmoor obviously their beef mm. program so they're always uh Tommy's always like arriving with like strip lines and like whatever and being like do you want to taste this or do you want this for the Sorry. restaurant so I'm like sure I do good friend to have good friend to have exactly but how do you know so, Will then oh uh through his mum Fiona oh, Beckett yeah. who was sort of the, got me on the path to writing about food in the first place um I only made that connection literally like three weeks ago right 
And I was like, wait, Fiona Beckett's your mum? And he was like, yes. Was yeah, like, she's, she's an amazing woman. Anyway, t t look, take us back to the start of King and how, how a British uh, woman, well, two, two British women. Two British women over. and a New Yorker. Annie is from, okay. um, born and bred in New York. Ended up here. Ended up, yeah, opening her own, you know, there's a restaurant here as well. I mean, <laughs> it's difficult enough in London, but here seems even more yeah. tricky. Yeah, I, I mean, in one way, I think, I think New York's really open to that, though. You know, I think as a city, it's very, kind of encourages entrepreneurship you know and they really encourage like self-starters and the industry when we moved here was so open and generous in their information and their approach and their kind of um when you say the industry and their like, re like restaurants um, right. suppliers uh, people like food writers but you know everyone that we met was like okay here's who you need to talk to and then we'd like scurry off and talk to that person and then they'd say well we can't necessarily help you or this isn't you know but this is who you need to talk to and then we'd go in that area and you know everyone was so Generous. There's this one chef who was who subsequently opened. He's a great chef in the city, um, Dan Kluger, and he has Loring Place, um, not too far from our restaurant. And he was very busy opening his own. Like, and he, I, at any time of the night, I would email him about ice cream machines, and he'd reply straight away and be like, "This is the man you need to talk to." And I don't know. I was really, really kind of touched by that, um, particularly that we were out of towners and. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Everyone was very, very kind of open to helping. Which I guess it's the same in London. I've never opened a restaurant in London, but um, I actually think maybe it's not that similar in London. Not not sort of being mean about restaurateurs or whatever in London, but I, I'm not convinced that there is that sort of camaraderie. Cam yeah, camaraderie. I, um, I think that's a little cynical, right? Not, I mean, the number of people who have taken time out. Oh, to yeah, give us, yeah, no, I'm not, definitely not saying we didn't have help or people who you know get yeah. time or their expertise or you know just on the end of a phone or an email. Or for sure, I'm not saying people mm. don't exist doing that, but I'm not convinced that people opening restaurants have that sort of yeah. as, as much of a sort of welcoming in and I think I, they do. I think I was always. I mean, I definitely saw that in London when I was working at the River Cafe. I remember, you know, we might run out of tablecloths and we, we'd call the Wolsey mm -hmm. and they'd be like, sure, like, you know, obviously Ruth is very good friends with Jeremy and there was a, you know, there was very much that exchange. Um, and, you know... Um, I definitely I, think there's certain people, you know, certain groups yeah. of people who, if you're in that group, I'm sure it's very yeah. friendly. And but for a starter, yeah. You know, and obviously... I suppose I was relatively lucky that I'd yeah. been writing about food, so I knew people like Russell and Will. Yeah. I could ask them for definitely. Yeah, Russell Norman. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but I wonder if you don't have any of those ins, how easy that would be. Yeah, but also, how, yeah I'm probably being a bit cynical. But. How did you end up sort of doing what you do? Or is this not <laughs> what the podcast is about? Right. Like, uh, well, in, I mean, in, in general, you, you know, you came to subclub, so that's what we were doing, and then one day because you, you came to the one in Vagabond and, and we just felt after a certain time there it was like it had come quite a long way from being a supper club in a flat and suddenly it was like it just didn't quite feel right anymore and I don't think we thought oh it's not right anymore so let's uh, it just just organically we thought oh maybe maybe it's time we opened a restaurant maybe in hindsight we should have said maybe we should jack it in and you know, <laughs> do something else how long has the restaurant been open for now? four years four years yeah, yeah. 
how do you find so we're just entering so we're three years in September how have you seen that change from sort of the opening stages to kind of being in year four I think I think with with what we do with obviously the whole menu changing every week and never repeating a dish it's it's there's changes twice a day mate she's not impressed by that no but I mean never repeating a dish that is something to live by yeah Um, but I think it's it's so tough on the chefs you know, I, th- I think it's, I always used to say, or I still do say, it's, it's a bit of a burnout kitchen. I think it's an incredible opportunity to, to have a place like that where you can be that creative and learn that much stuff, you know, especially when you get younger um, cooks coming in. You know, they get to learn a lot because they're making different dishes every week, which is one of the things I think we're most proud of, mm. that we have a place that does that. But They struggle after, with that. After a year, you know, I kind of think, like, you're done. Really? As a, as a chef, yeah. That's so weird because the, the opportunity is so vast. You know, sure. as, a, as a curious chef, you'd think that that would captivate someone yeah, more but, than... Which I think it does, but I think after a year of it, that relentless yeah. kind of, we have to throw everything out this week and do something totally different next week and we can't do this amazing dish that we did... The pressure is... Months ago, a month ago, it's got to be new, it's got to be... And also probably, you know, we do the menus with the with the chefs, so to have us yapping in their ears all the time because it gets quite boring quite quickly so yeah. and also we've tended to hire chefs who well I say we've tended to we have always hired chefs who want to do their own thing eventually so I think there's a sense that they have their sort of year or 18 months of, of pigeon and just creating and playing around with ideas and over that period probably crystallises for them what they want to do mm. so Adolfo who's our previous head chef it's just opened a restaurant around the corner. That's um, amazing. A little bit too close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's guys, fantastic, yeah. you know. And it was actually really, really fun going. To, I don't think we've talked about it on the pod. No, Casa Fofo, but um, sorry, we're meant to talk about you, Jess. But no, no, I'd like to give a shout out to Adolfo because it was really gratifying, and hopefully that doesn't sound too self-serving, to go to a restaurant that is has been opened by an ex-head chef. And it's staff. It's not like he didn't gut our own place, but you know, staffed by people who'd all worked for us before. Oh wow! Doing a fucking great job, and that was really, it was really nice. It was really fun. I can imagine that's be pretty emotional seeing someone move through your kitchen and then ultimately taking on not only like you know the sensitivity to the food, but also the value of a restaurant and kind of you know the way you treat your staff and the way that you think about you know. Um, your cooks you know it's all those things are as important as the creative side yeah um, I guess the massive difference though with you is that you you and Claire are in the kitchen every day yes in your own restaurant and I think you said when you were on the Dave Chang podcast that one of you is always there yeah pretty much now I mean back in the day I'm sure you guys um, remember those like the sort of opening two years was I think it was like terrible it was sort of I mean it was fabulous in terms of the energy and the excitement and we were definitely running off kind of this real um kind of I don't know what it was just you know um but uh, now we aren't there necessarily all the time together so we can we have we swap in for lunch and for dinner so Claire's there for example this morning and I will go in tonight and work this evening so it is nice it's a shame that she and I don't get to cook as much together because mm. um, those early days are so joyful just like being on the line and cooking together and kind of you know it's all so easy when you have this like intuition with someone who understands what your vision is on, on a plate or on a dish or on a whatever it might be that you're cooking and it you, it doesn't really need to be discussed it's this sort of like um tacit agreement in, in a way and so that's kind of really 
We call it the page. Yeah. The page on yeah. the same page. Yeah. Mm. Right. When we're, when we're feeling classy, we call it le page. Ah, <laughs> oh, le page. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then you know, and service was always so fun. You know, we we were only open for dinner in the early days. Um, and we were there every single night, and myself, Claire, and Sadie, who's now like head chef practically, she is amazing. Um, and it was just such a riot. We, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy, and we had no idea what we were doing, but we were kind of just like getting through every day. And um, yeah, it was kind of special moments. And when you opened, were you? Busy off the bat, or was tricky at first, numbers wise? And yeah, we were. I mean, we opened very last minute, so um, we didn't think we were going to open. We got to a point where we missed out on some investment, key investment, in the last four days, <sighs> and we were like, shit, like, we actually don't have any money now. And um, we didn't have any money to buy produce or wine or. So the opening menu was basically. So you had you had the site, you signed the lease, and then. Oh, we were we were kind of painting the place and fluffing Fuck cushions, geez. and then this sort of investment fell out, um, and so we were like, right, we either we either won't open, like, and this is all going to close, or we just open now and try and take some money from someone, like, even if it's ten dollars, we'll we'll take it. Mm. So we wrote our opening menu on basically samples from suppliers you know like and mm. Annie kind of cobbled together a wine list from sort of we didn't actually have a wine list when we started it was basically like this bottle's open you're going to drink <laughs> and then oh, the nice. gas wasn't on and it, we got to about 4pm on a Friday afternoon and the gas turned on it's a bit of a nightmare in the city trying to get it, the gas turned on and it we got it and we were like right we've got it open tonight and we just opened the doors and we were cob- like borrowing little pots from Annie's mum's kitchen. Yeah. And um, yeah, we opened, I mean, it was to friends and family for the first two or three days. I think we did like 12 covers and we were so in the weeds. <laughs> we were like, oh my God, we were so busy. Um, and yeah. how, many, how many do you do, do you do now? Last night they did 127. Shit. And how many seats? 34. Um, and then, but we do have a terrace on the front, which seats about... 22, 23. Um, so, yeah. I was going to ask what, what was your worst service from that first year, but it was probably that first night. No, the worst service was when we decided to open the bar for food and we were just mobbed and lots of key people were in the restaurant and I remember looking out and there was this guy, Arvid, he's like... Um, sommelier of the year of the world and he actually works at the restaurant over the road from us who are kind of our big brothers on the block they've been amazing and um i sort of saw him sit down i was like oh shit he's here that's i mean great lovely but kind of a bit of a pressure point and about sort of 10 minutes later i still saw him sitting there with no wine no water no nothing and i was so in the weeds i think i was cooking fish stew and like there were pots and pasties everywhere and and i like look up again and he's still sitting there like this is like a solid 45 minutes later and i was like holy shit in the restaurant it was like 40 towers like everyone was like running around no like headless chickens so in the end i just ran out of the kitchen and we had paper tablecloths and I was like Arvid I'm so sorry what do you want he was like um well just some water would be lovely I was like I can do water oh so you've been there 45 minutes without oh nothing like and I was like what do you need he was like water 
glass of something and I was like what do you want to eat and I like wrote his menu down on the like wrote his order down like tore it off ran to the bar like picked up a bottle that I could just find like dumped it on his table ran back into the kitchen with this like half a tablecloth put it on this like the ticket rack and was like this is going to be the queue and oh it was just it was a nightmare it was like a nightmare but, but you you seem to have, as Danny Mayer would say, written a good last chapter there. You know, you turned the, the sort of part of the... I can't remember who someone was writing about that this week. Oh. In reference to Mayer, it's not about the restaurant that makes the least mistakes is the best. It's, you know, how you what you do about the mistakes and how you solve those problems. And for him, it would have been like 45 minutes of fuck this and then... You know, you came out and turned it around. And oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not sure Danny would be very happy if one of his chefs like came storming out of the kitchen, <laughs> ripped off a tablecloth, table and. But yeah, what was your worst service? If you had a real shocker, tell me you have. Well, I can't really speak for the kitchen because I'm, yeah. off the top of my head, I can't think of any that. But front of house, it's 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 usually it's usually a customer um, pulls out the wrong Jenga block and everything yeah. comes tumbling. So we were having this is this sort of ongoing disagreement I have with Will Beckett um, about various things. He's too nice about like customers being dicks, and actually, it's all very well to, when you're sort of turning over squillions and you have two hundred seats to play with. But it, specifically, this debate was about customers who asked to move to a different table. And I just tweeted that they, it's one of the things that, and we're, we're sort of trying to write this book and write a list of things that you might do as a customer that you don't realise is actually kind of a fucking pain in the ass. Even if it doesn't feel rude, for example, is it all right if we sit at that table? And they're like, that table's empty, what's the difference? It's yeah. Table two, it's table two. And they obviously don't know how booking systems work. And but do you not, I sometimes do that, now I feel bad. Well, I think I think real estate, dining room real estate is a real insight. You can't. I think I do. I think I do. Is this over now? Wrap this up. (laughs) But I'm sure I've done it too. But I think people don't realise that it's actually it can completely pull the rug out from under. Because if suddenly you're like, well, that was meant to be a six because those tips should have been together and they weren't, and now I've got to spend ten minutes off the floor playing around with the booking system to figure out how to Mm. fit those people in. Yeah. And and just suddenly you're you're up against it. You're in the weeds, and it's it's there's a real knack in a restaurant in front of house for as soon as that one thing that one Jenga piece is pulled out, just everything tumbles it's around. Like a Sudoku, it. isn't it? Then yeah. then there'll be someone who's gluten and dairy intolerant, and so you're trying to deal with that and speak to the kitchen. The kitchen's pissed off. You're distracted by that, and so it's usually. Can you can you add dried chili flakes to your list? When people are like they come in and say, "Can I get some dried?" Chili? Is that a thing? Oh, and I'm like, yeah. and then I see them put it on a ravioli, and I'm like, get out! Like, <laughs> I not only does it stop me because I have to go and get the chili flakes, find the pestle and mortar, like bash it all up, put it in a you know ramekin for you, and then I just see it go to a table, and I'm like, why are you putting it on that fresh? That's like a pizza pork? thing because they get the shaker. Yeah, I mean yeah. pizza, I'm all yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, chili. Yeah. My worst service was shit necklace lady. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was, yeah, which has been discussed on the podcast, but many yeah. years ago. Well, uh, the, the fir- our first service was pretty hair raising. The hottest day of the year. Hottest day of the year. Oh, and the I think it was the hottest July day on record. Yeah, so it was, God. and it was so hot in the restaurant. You couldn't open the windows. It's just little. You can open them now, 
but there's just little vents at the top you could open and after five minutes you look like you've been swimming basically oh god and I remember my mum and dad were there and just like, the look of terror <laughs> on their face of just like what have you done like this is going to be a complete disaster and then I think it was a few days later we were like what's that box above the door it was like, oh, it's an air conditioner. Oh. <laughs> and somehow, over the course of the build, the fit out, and everything, we didn't realise there's actually an air conditioner above the door. Which oh my nobody, god! Not even on the day, nobody in the restaurant sweating was like, "Hey, what's Can that? Can you turn that on?" Or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it's work. It's a shit anyway, yeah. but but still, it's just a thing that when you're in that rush to open and that sort of blind panic, yeah. if you've got to get the doors open, um, the things that get messed are just crazy. Yeah, we didn't think about AC, and New Yorkers are big into it. They love the air. They it's love the air, air, which I have standoff about because I'm all about fresh air mm-hmm. and I'm always like we have these accordion doors at the front and I'm always like let's yeah. open the doors and like I'm always when Annie Claire and I sort of are out and about and having lunch I'm like let's sit outside and they're like no let's go inside for AC and I'm yeah. like I find it really weird I get bullied by our office mates who have restaurants that whenever the sun's out and they're like oh should we go to Zedel for lunch. I'm like, I don't want to fucking go to Zedel and sit in a basement. I want to sit outside. I want to be. Like, we just have to be outside. You know? I know, it's because we're so, like, I don't know, grateful for any kind of good yeah. weather. Yeah. And always I'm like, I often sit on the terrace at King in the pouring rain. And everyone's like, are you okay out here? I'm like, of course I am, I'm British. <laughs> we're, we're used to this. This, yeah. is how we, this is how we eat. Hello, I'm Johnny Greenwood, and I play the guitar and the piano and the penny whistle and the bassoon for the radio heads. I'd like to tell you about the new drop shop from the people who brought you the Dropwine Delivery app. It's at 175 Drury Lane and is a beautifully composed emporium of fine wine and not so fine wine. Each day they offer their daily special by the glass at a knockdown price, sometimes as low as £2. Imagine! Download the app today from dropwine.co.uk and receive £10 off your first order when you enter Kitchen on Fire in the promo code. Toodles! Please bring responsive with your associate employee contemporaries, horrors, horrors, So how did you come to cooking and then being a chef? Because you, you hadn't... Been a, you haven't no. been a chef for that long when you opened King, had you? No, no, completely um, inexperienced and still am probably to this day. Um, we, I had, I was working at L'Oreal, um, hair products, very important, Absolutely. and doing PR for them. And then sort of had always thought, oh gosh, you know, one day I imagine, I actually thought I'd always have like a little deli. Um, and I was a cook, you know, I did like supper clubs and dinner parties were like a weekly occurrence in our flat and sort of went all out. I fed my friends um, for many years um, and I love cooking and it was so much part of like my weekly ritual um, and it had always been, you know, my mother was an amazing cook. She was a trait, she was, she did cordon bleu and she, but she never did anything with it. Um, but she was always cooking and we always cooked together, she and I, bread and jams and, you know, pasta and like everything was very much like about kind of cooking and eating and, you know, meals were always around the table and it was like a big thing in our house. So even though it wasn't something I thought 
I would do professionally, I always knew that it would like ultimately be with me in some shape or form. And I thought I'd have this deli and I would like make a soup and maybe a few sandwiches and just sort of have a nice life. Maybe the old sort of lemon drizzle cake. <laughs> um, Stop it. Who, I mean, what best cake in the world, possibly? Lemon and poppy seed. Well, no, I do like, I do love like fruitcake, I don't think. Oh, that's more niche. Yeah, yeah. very niche. Don't, they don't do it right here. No. Best cake. Carrot cake. Ca- do it uh, carrot cake. Can't Can't banana bread, but it's really cake. Oh, I don't really, I'm no. not into that. No, me neither. No, you don't like bananas, do you? And a flapjack. That's Pot. not a cake. What is that? Is that a oh. biscuit or a... Mmm. That's a can of worms is what it is. But possibly the best thing in the world as well. Like My, my mum sort of ruined flapjacks for me because she made amazing flapjacks and everyone loved my mum's flapjacks, but she was put dried apricot in it. Oh. What are you doing, man? No, I mom. like craisins in a flapjack. Craisins? Really? Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh no, that is... <laughs> I'm a niche kind of guy, yeah. I'm so, like, nat- like au nature. Like, yeah, yeah. Love it. I, maybe it's just because I'm a bit basic. Uh, but now that they're not, uh, the marketing people of flapjacks have now decided calling them granola bars makes them more sellable. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's no, flapjack. but those, but but the the true flapjack is the ratio, right? Like the so we're going deep now. Yeah. But um, I mean, do you like them sort of on the crunchier side, which no. I think heads more towards a granola, or like a chewy uh, kind of yeah. scenario, which chewy I think scenario. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I am. That's my episode title. Yeah, Lepage. Are we all on Lepage? Yeah, we are on Lepage. Great. A chewy scenario. Chewy scenario. That's your episode title. Our chewy scenario at the moment is what to chew for the next three days because I think we're both experiencing kind of mid to high level anxiety about you know that FOMO thing of like committing time and and expense and just belly space Mm. to the wrong place you've got to be very strategic about it so where are you hitting up so you're here on your sandwich mission yeah so yesterday I thought we we did quite well yesterday so we did cheekies we did um, cats's and palm which which was all great and that's fine but uh, and we kind of felt like oh we did alright because you thought that much bread you mm. know, it's like when we're doing tastings for the sandwich shop at the moment so you eat that many sandwiches and you're only having a piece of one and just like sleeping afterwards yeah so, so it's, it's that battle sandwiches yeah oh my god cat, isn't cats today like kind of like had you been before I Sam had I hadn't it's we, amazing isn't it it's, it, it, do you feel like it's a caricature of what it used to be or do you think what it used to be I mean it's a caricature of something but it's it's definitely something everyone should experience yeah at least yeah once. I, 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 we were talking about it earlier and I said I'm, I'm not convinced that the sandwiches are as good as people say they are but the experience is well there's a romanticism with for it sure, right? yeah. yeah I mean I like the pickle packet the best yeah well I mean and it's an amazing I mean that room itself is just yeah. I mean, how many, any idea what, how many covers they do on a day I have no idea but it's quite close to where we are now in my apartment um, I walk past it all the time I do have to resist the temptation of going in there because I've only actually had it once. Um, I think about it a lot and I'm like, oh, I love one of those. Um, but it's like lying around the block yeah. most days. Yeah, it's and probably also worth pointing out it was 26 bucks for one Reuben. Really? Yeah. Wow, that is expensive. Not as expensive, potentially, as my three sandwiches I was trying to get here. No. For $62. No. Well, that was, so where was that? Okay, so this is Arcade Bakery. And it, you wouldn't even know it was there. It's in the lobby of an office building in Church Street. Um, and they open... When do they open? Like, like 
nine or eight and then they close when they've run out and they do sandwiches they do some pizza um it's beautiful it's very kind of understated and it's basically a hatch in the wall but a beautiful hatch um and the breads and the croissants and it's like classic like classic uh, French sort of um, baking. He used to work for Thomas Keller, I think. Right. Um, Roger, someone, I can't remember his last name. But anyway, they do a sandwich there. And we were talking about this the other day in the kitchen, and Sadie, our head chef, ultimately bought the sandwiches in the next day because we've been talking about how sometimes you just crave, like, something so simple like often if I on the rare nights that I'm not working and I'm not out I might just have a boiled egg and that's all I want right. um, but the other thing I always want is just a ham and cheese sandwich and a baguette like no no garlic no oil no salt like no mustard just that mm. you know, bit of butter and just that's it and they do the best they do that perfectly there right. you know like in France and you have that and you're like this is like magic it is I, mean, I just remember eating them on the bonnet of our car when we were kids we used to drive to the south of France we, my parents had a house there and we'd stop off and have one and sit and like and eat these sandwiches mm. and it is exactly the same they are perfection oh, so amazing. Maybe we'll go on. But you're willing to get those in for 62, a courier? And a courier, I know. I had grand designs of sort of like getting up this morning and running over there and getting it. And actually, she said that they weren't ready when I rang. They said, oh, those sandwiches aren't ready till 10.30. So no, it was I was the like, that yes. well, maybe we should head there after this because you should try that. that sounds good. I'm, I'm not friendly, we, so, yeah, we so, sorry, there you go. No, I was going to say sandwiches aside, where, you know, if you had three days to eat in New York... Other than King, of course. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm so bad at this. Um, there's a great little dumpling spot around the corner from here. Did I tell you about that? You mentioned that, yeah. Okay, that's really good. Um, actually, close to here as well is one of my favourite restaurants, Servos. Um, they, I think they kind of they lean towards um, uh, Portuguese food, but it's very simple but totally delicious. It's, like, literally one of my favourite spots. Um, where else... Um, Estella, I mean, that's kind of mm. great in terms of like the vibe and kind of quite curious dishes. Um, where else? Where else are you eating? We, we're, we're keeping our evenings pretty open, yeah. um, just to uh, a feel, see how we feel after yeah, sort of sandwich. time, four sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know where else is on. I don't the know, like maybe even Brooklyn. Like, have you been to Roberta's? That's like great. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of fun. Great pizza. Um, what's the, what's the oh my god place? sorry go for it <laughs> well um, I love it in Via Carota um, it's kind of around the corner from us it's run by Jodie Williams and Rita Sodi I think that's um, on the list that's on the list yeah and they just opened they just opened bar, yeah oh, Pissolina yeah there and Bavette for breakfast you should definitely go there um, that's there so they basically have kind of got this block in the West Village and Bavette is Sort of, sort of French, um, very amazing kind of breakfast spot. Everyone's there. It's like a really great vibe. And then round the corner is um, the Croto, which is their Italian place. And then they've got Bar Pistolina, and they've just got another spot, and uh, Isodi, which is um, their kind of Tuscan kitchen. Mm. So they have they're amazing women. I'm so jealous of that people have all their places. The guys we share an office with, they have um, 
three places on one street, on Endel Street in Covent Garden. I'm always so jealous, like where you have just this little zone. That's, yeah. That's yours. Zone of terror. Yeah, zone, zone of terror. terror. We've been quite um, taken aback by everything seems suddenly quite expensive here. Mm. You know, eating. I mean, last night we went to three, I suppose, uh, Ten Bells happy hour. Oh, yeah. Some crazy expensive. But, um, you know, a couple of plates and a bottle of wild air. And also, like, the wine, kind of hard to find wine for less than, like, 50 bucks yeah. on any yeah. list. I think, I think the cheapest on our list. Might be forty-five or something. Oh, I had a look at it. Oh, was it fifty? I think it was fifty-five, but that was about that's about in line with everything. Yeah. Because I was I was I was last here a couple of years, two years ago, I think, and sort of noticeably like whoa. In that in these two years, yeah. Yeah. Is that because of Trump's trade wars or? (laughs) Probably. I think you know real estate is crazy expensive. I think before um, I came to New York, I was like looking. Um, to open something in London and I was looking on Essex Street um, and it was the rent so different to what I, what we have here it's crazy expensive. here it yeah yeah what's, do you mind me asking what your rent is for? I mean probably a lot more what, what's yours <laughs> a pigeon <laughs> that's pigeon's tiny is that's that in, a year or, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's what you w- pay a week is it uh, <laughs> around there a month yeah right Crikey. Yeah. Yeah, but you know. That's why you've got to sell wine at 50 bucks. Yeah, no, <laughs> totally. It's, it's, it, was, it was less a complaint and more just a, you know, we're on this you know, research trip, but on mm. a tight budget in terms of yeah. allocating. It's, I, everyone, like, King gets this sort of $3 signs, like, s- suggesting we're expensive. And, and I know that we are definitely not cheap, but I think. I'm like, I rarely go out for dinner and don't drop anything less than like a hundred bucks. Yeah. And that's just, you know, a few, few bites, <clears throat> maybe a few too many glasses of wine. Um, you know, and like, I don't think, you know, like, and our average check size is about $85. Okay. Um, so I don't, I think, you know, I think it's just the city. Yeah. I think it's the thing as well, being in these places last night, being like, God, that's expensive having a restaurant in London or I don't think we sit there thinking God it's just, they're just ripping us off then but no. printing money you know you just suddenly think well what is it is it is it the cost of rent is it the cost mm. of ingredients or because there's a reason that I guess that people are now charging what feels like more than it was yeah and it's definitely not a um Exchange or anything. Which I don't even great, but I mean, we sat yeah. a while there going, I think they're a bit overstaffed here, aren't they? <laughs> I'd shave off yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's always, we, you know, whether it be your food costs or sort of staffing, we're always, I mean, obviously thinking about it, but you know, then there's this fine line of being like, well, if you're charging this amount and the quality needs to be mm. here, and how do you get there? Is it like, you know, the service needs to be, totally. you know, on yeah. form and know the food um but yeah it's it's hard how is staffing here staffing is really we've got brilliant staff first and foremost they're like they're kind of what made me want to go to work each day and i mean that genuinely like they are brilliant and engaged and intelligent and funny and sort of committed um but all have these wonderful lives outside of the restaurant that kind of mean so much to them which is great but they turn up and they do their job and they're kind of so part of the, our restaurant and they a lot of them we haven't had that 
like big turnover um, and for a small little spot in Soho I think that's like really lovely to see you know the customers we have a lot of regulars and they know that you know oh Pat's here and he's just done his PhD like how did that go and you know everyone knows each other which is mm-hmm. so nice um, on the kitchen end I mean the first the first year was terrible because obviously we were no one and no one like give a shit about going to cook at King um, and obviously our food is so different to what's been seen in the city and I think all these kids were coming out of like culinary school and kind of wanted to do like molecular gastronomy or like you know nouvelle cuisine and like we'd turn up and be like let's just put a bellotti bean in there <laughs> and they were like what is this you know like and this one guy turned up he had very three very showy bean though bellotti yeah, very showy yeah <laughs> Is that too fancy? <laughs> it's a very fancy looking bean. It is a fan. But I like it because it's plumper mm. than a, you know, can. Yeah. Uh, this guy turned up. Sort of. Yeah. I think the skin to filling ratio is. Yeah. You know, yeah, and any bigger you go into butter bean territory. Oh, no. Because yeah. if you have to cut a bean, yeah. you shouldn't be. Um, this guy turned up and he had three mission stars tattooed on his forearm. And he wanted to, he was like, you know, I'd love to work here. And Claire and I were like, really? <laughs> like, I don't know if you do. Like, yeah. And he spent one day in the kitchen. He kind of was very confused the whole time. Like, And they all turned up with these tweezers and sort of very chefy. And we were like, I don't think that's the right fit. So it took a while to find people. And actually everyone who's worked in our kitchen subsequently has basically just come knocking. Um, they've kind of eaten at the restaurant <clears throat> and we're like we'd like to work here and we were like sure uh, currently looking for staff so if you know about okay it, well, I kind of want to move to New York now so you I'm can be a cold yeah. chef yeah you can yeah, you'd like that you keep saying that you want to get back in the kitchen don't you yeah. you're it's, welcome to uh, yeah but it's like oh that'd be nice no I'm sure the reality of that oh man yeah nice for a few days what um what what's next are you guys going to open another place or <laughs> Um, I don't know. Everyone's asking that. I don't know. I think we are open to it if we find the right spot. You know, I don't think it's... Um, we're not, like, actively seeking somewhere. There's somewhere in Mulberry we walk past. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, I could... Uh... I don't know. I, want, I would quite like to have somewhere on the beach. Is that, you oh, know, right. like... I would love, originally, I wanted to have this fish shack. I come from Albra in the. Um, oh, right, do you? Yeah. And um, I tr- petitioned with the local council to turn one of the fishing huts into a little restaurant. And there's this great fisherman. Albra really needs a good restaurant. And the food there's like, for, for where it is, it's like terrible. It's really low, low grade. Yeah. And we I. get there quite a lot. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, um, I, love, I absolutely love it there, but there's. there's there's no nothing I mean, fish and chip shop yeah or so there's a great fisherman called um, he's actually called Mr. Fryer and um, that's, his that's his actual name Brilliant. and he's a great fisherman we buy our fish from him and so I sort of said to him like whose hut is this like opposite his he was like it's empty and I was like right I'm going to take that over you're going to do your thing and go five miles out to sea every day and collect some fish and then whatever you bring back I'll cook and it was like this so tiny company shed yeah, it was like, yeah, but way smaller. Like, it could okay. literally fit, like, eight people in it. Oh, nice. Um, but, yeah, the council said no. Um, and I get it, I guess, in a way, because they don't want to... Uh, that whole kind of seafront turn into, like, shacks and food. And but there sort of are the 
smoke fish yeah. Like, yeah I don't know you've been to Aubra? no you oh it's yeah I'd like to you should go go in the winter it's actually nicer yeah that's that's definitely when I would go like wet and windy walks on yeah. the beach yeah that's and, my jam and like a pint of apples have you ever done the Aubra Food and Wine Festival? no oh. no we should it's more, is it more literary or is it cooking as well? I think cooking too but mm. I think literary I, I'm going to do it this year but I don't know what to <laughs> there's a food photographer called Kristen Perez who has a cottage on the beach so we, we so anyone who wants to go to Albra should rent it off of her oh really it's absolutely beautiful yeah in, so in Albra or in, on, on the high street oh nice in yeah. but it's my favourite place in the world um, so one, maybe one day King will have a shack there or maybe somewhere around going international then oh uh, no I just um, but I don't know I think it's like I think they, these things have to be pretty organic yeah. Um, but I, I'm not. You know, we're very much open to it. It's just about finding something that fits. Mm-hmm. It's a quick fire time, Sam. Yeah. Yes. Oh God. Yeah, this is high pressure stuff. Has this been okay? It's been fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's been I mean, absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's definitely going to be more fun talking to us than talking to Dave Chang. Oh yeah. How was that? How was that? Great. I mean, I didn't. I haven't even. That's listened. a great podcast. I didn't listen. Oh, I can't listen to those things. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. He's obviously does a lot. Yeah, we tried to get him on here, but oh really? No response. <laughs> I just enjoyed the your descriptions of those events you were doing with um, uh, Grant Ackett's you know, oh, yeah. sort of brigade and then just you and Clara there sort of you know like getting your bolotti beans ready it, um, that's it, this happens all the time and it's so embarrassing well actually do you know someone um, Gabrielle Hamilton of Prune she's an amazing woman and I remember her you know we were like turning up like the circus to something a game and we're always next to Thomas Keller, which I'm like, who does this? Like, yeah. that's really unfair. And she was like, you know, if you show up, just show up and have your head held high. Mm-hmm. And as long as you know that you're doing your thing, but you're doing your thing like perfectly, then there's nothing, you know, you don't need a brigade and you don't need a pair of tweezers to yeah. make it delicious. But when we are boiling pasta in a gastro, because like, we've forgotten to bring a pan or something, I'm like, oh God, here we are again. Um, but yeah. Okay. okay, quick fire. Okay, we'll do overrated, underrated, or correctly rated first, and then we'll do the quick Okay. Fire. Cheese plates. Oh, um, correctly rated. Okay. Very important. Yeah? Yes. And spend a lot of my life wondering whether or not I want... I definitely want cheese after dessert. I know some people still... Is that wrong? I don't know. It's the, it's, so the, the, French. the history is that the French don't do it because because um, of wine, and it makes more sense if you're drinking red wine with your main course, then you want to have some cheese and have some wine with that, red wine with that, and then you move on to sweet, mm. sweet wine. And then I think the thing is that the Brits, you know, back in the day, you'd, you'd go to pudding and then you might have a little savoury afterwards and then you might have some cheese and get the port out and then just lean into the rest of the evening that's see I love a long lunch which is probably why I like the cheese because then it takes you through to you know both on the wine side but carries you through to dinner and what would be your cheese of choice oh god you've got one cheese and one cheese only 
Um, have you ever had Stinking Bishop? Yeah. I kind of love that. We buy it a lot in Aubra. Um It's very delicious. You've got Easy. Baron Bai got up the road. Oh, really? It's a yeah. really good um, sort of English brie. Sort yeah. Of I do love an Epoise. Yeah, good call. Uh, chocolate and desserts. Oh, totally overrated. Very true. Not into that. No. I you, don't... you like a chocolate dessert? But <laughs> 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 you said it like that. Uh, I would say, well, maybe, I suppose overrated is, isn't, I would go for correctly rated. Um, really? A bit of chocolate cake. Oh, no. Mm. I, I happily never eat chocolate again. Uh, I, can, I can eat like a little Freddo frog after dinner. That's <laughs> the extent of it. There's Master Brothers chocolate in our hotel room, and I'm just, that's probably like $80 for a bar. But Don't, are you going to go for it now? I drank a $4 bottle of water. Did you? Yeah, there was no water. water. There's, you you know, can use New York water system, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, no, I did. I did, did tap water. No, yeah, look, I get Freddo. Yeah. yeah. Trump was literally just on the news saying, Cleanest water here. It's cleanest crystal. Oh, if he said it, then definitely. I, in restaurants, everyone in New York, they're always like, "Do you want um, bottled, still sparkling, or New York's finest?" And you're like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, well, I'll take the tap water." But they, yeah. they're really proud of New York's yeah. finest water. Okay, and it's delicious. <laughs> um, well, there's the thing, isn't there? People say about English people for years. If you went to Spain or France, then you have to drink bottled water, or you get really mm-hmm. ill. And the fact that people still do it is this weird sort of racism of like, you know, Spain isn't a country that's you know has a hundred years behind everywhere else. Like the water's fine. I mean, um, I I've just been to Mexico City. I got back yes a couple of days ago, and then um, yeah, I mean, I was like, like, sure, this water's fine. It was. I Where think. did you eat? Oh, I like had you know like people talk about sort of meals that move you and there have been three people at King who have cried at the table over something that they've eaten which I've found slightly slightly crazy Um, and they've kind of come with this sort of like almost religious experience of the past of like gratitude and you're like whoa it's just a bellotti bean (laughs) Um, but um, uh, and I've never and I've like always people like oh have you cried over me and I'm like no but I got very close um, in Mexico City and we had this barbacoa out in the kind of out of the city we went to see the pyramids and sort of had this brilliant little driver guy who was like take showing us around and we we really I was like come on Raymond we need to sniff out some good barbecue and he did and it was like the family who were making it was part of this sort of religious experience for me because there was there's the two sisters and the husband and there was their three kids were like serving the food and one was washing the dishes and the other one was like pouring the water and it was just this like wonderful kind of collection of like family collaboration and like the food was so delicious as well and they like put the lamb in at like 6am that morning and it was just magic I think the whole thing and anyway that was totally off but I've got some really good recommendations if you're going to Mexico City (laughs) (laughs) if you need the recent 2020 we'll give it a go yeah Um, Coldplay Oh, overrated, underrated, correctly rated. I think correctly rated. I saw them in New York City. Oh, yeah. I've got a, I've actually got a bit of a crush on Chris Martin. He's a handsome dude. He's, a handsome He's dude. ripped as well. You know, I love, but also the guy. Okay, this is interesting, Coldplay, because a he went to Sherburn. You know that school in Dorset. Mm-hmm. A lot of my male friends went to, and they're all good men. So I believe him to be a good man, Chris Martin. So I respect him. Two, I really value his 
short t-shirt, long t-shirt combo. Oh, okay. Um, I dress my kid like that to wind up Rosie. She don't like it? She hates it. Oh. I just do it because I think it's funny. I did it for for a long time, and I still occasionally will rock the... Uh, often a stripy t-shirt under a plain t-shirt oh, which I threw out my stripy long sleeve t-shirt the other day and my wife was sort of holding it up was like are you really throwing this out end of an era and it was the end of, it was time to move on fast fashion maybe we should move on uh, to be fair fast fashion that t-shirt is about 15 years old so. quick other side note though on Coldplay the, the drama yeah. Will Beckett the second yeah. <laughs> um fabulous man and he was when the pe- when they did the gig here in New York they had these huge um, church bells and he just I just was mesmerised by his like the velocity of drumming and I actually always I just think he's fabulous too so if he's listening quite jealous of your use of the word fabulous I just never feel I can get away with it really? it's fabulous Use an sentence. I use fab quite a lot in writing. Oh, oh, oh fab, fab, thanks. fab. Um, overrated, underrated, correctly rated hen parties. Oh, overrated, hate them. Never want to. I've been a bridesmaid 12 times, so. Um, crumbs. Yeah, all crumbs. Lepage. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> um, okay, and the quick fire. Uh, restaurants you miss in London. Oh, um, I mean, would it be better? At the River Cafe, obviously. Yeah, you can have that. Oh, right, okay, so, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the calf, I think it just speaks to me, and it's mm. in my blood, and I think it will be forever. Mm. And pigeon, of course. Um, oh, and pigeon, yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, what's the worst vegetable? Oh, worst... Bre- mm. I mean, I'm not really into sprouts, yeah. but they've kind of... They're big here. Like They're, they're all about them mm. in, in America, which they've sort of slightly call my attention a bit more. Dave Change does them deep fried, doesn't he? Which Oh yeah, everyone I um fish sauce and whatnot. Mm. Worst, what's your worst vegetable? Uh, I'm not massively into them but I'd probably still go parsnip. Oh really? Not even a good roasted one? Yeah, so I don't mind it, but uh, you know if I had to if I had to I don't, not, I don't like parsnips. Or swede. Sweet, oh my mum does sweet. my mum does a good swede. Buttered sweet, yeah. heavily peppered. Yeah, 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 yeah. All bad but I'm not really into potatoes, if I'm honest. Whoa. I know that's like that is niche. Um, I appreciate them, and don't get me wrong, there's some good, but I'm not mad about them. Right. Uh, Danny Mayer, hero or villain? Absolute hero um, for many things, but also he um, signed a letter of um, <laughs> like. Uh, recommendation for my visa. Oh, nice. So, um, big shout out. Right. <laughs> okay. um, American candy, foul? Uh, foul, yeah. See, this was your question candy. I'm not American sweets, delicious. American I was thinking more Hershey's. Gross. Yeah. Oh, all chocolate here, bad. Yeah. Doesn't taste the same as home. No. But the sweets are pretty good. Too sour. Not into, I'm not a big candy girl okay <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's finally what is the best New York City set film oh god uh, I don't know what was yours well I said ghost but sort okay. of a joke I'm not even sure if that is set that's in not there. set in New York is it didn't feel like it Chicago? Was. I think it's Chicago I think uh, it's Chicago but, die, die, die Hard with a Vengeance yeah mm. I feel like, oh, 
Okay, this is, I love Sleepless in Seattle. That's set in Seattle. <laughs> no, because Tom Hanks is, is in New York. No, wait, he's in New York and she's in, See. no, he's in Seattle and she's, she's in New York. York. And frankly, you can't go wrong with it. Do you know why they're sleepless? What? Jet lag. Jet lag. Which Sam doesn't believe exists, but woke up at five today. Yeah, that is true. I think jet lag is all in the mind. Yeah, that's what I said, but I think that I tempted the gods of time, which so uh, then I woke up at 5am. I mean, it literally is all in the mind, because your mind is going, oh, it's nine o'clock, it's time to get up, when it's two in the morning. Go, I'd, I'd, my, I'd say Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. We could go to the library and do the spooky ghost, but you haven't seen it, have you? The beginning of Ghostbusters, there's a spooky woman in. I don't think I've seen Ghostbusters. Oh, we're too young. Come on, people. Yeah, that's true. Before our time. Uh, I'm really bad at the movies. Like, I'm never... I'm Everyone's like, have you seen this? I've basically seen nothing. Yeah, he's like that. Before, um, he, before he was officially a creep, I mean, you would have had to say a Woody Allen film. Annie Hall? Is that in it? Yeah. I don't think I've seen a Woody Allen film. Gershwin should, you know? What? The opening scene of Manhattan is the George Gershwin soundtrack. Um, it's really famous. Used by Edgar Wright at the beginning of Series 2 of Space as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. little lovely stuff. Nugget there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jess, thank you so much oh for your Oh my gosh, thank you. I don't feel like we Hospitality, joking, I barely cobbled together a coffee. New York's finest. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, well, thanks so much. Thanks. I'm sorry it's probably not been particularly enlightening, but it's nice to catch up. What are the chances of getting a table at King this weekend? Uh, anytime you like. Uh, I'm working Sunday lunch, if that makes, you know, if you want to come and hang out. Get in the uh, kitchen. Tonight or oh, I'm working tonight. Yeah, come tonight. Sit on the terrace. We'll see, we're going to see what our job okay. is, but I'd love to come and we're yeah, so so have some beans. Have a bolotti bean. Yeah. And How good are these beans? I mean, they're <laughs> making people cry. Left <laughs> <and> left. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, uh, I'd better bring the bolotti bean yeah. game. The, sorry, just before, <laughs> the second course of pigeon this week almost made me cry in the tasting. Oh, really? I, so I didn't try it, wasn't it? That was one of the best dishes. Top, top five dishes. What, what was it? Um... It was a badger flame beetroot from um, Flourish Produce. I think Calixta might come on the pod at some point. Um, she's this one-woman band in Cambridgeshire who grows incredible stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. So these beautiful beetroots that they just grilled over wood and then with a... I mean, it's the veg course, quote-unquote, but it, then with a sort of foie gras <laughs> and brown butter, oh, a skooma, a little like, fermented green garlic um, puree. It was just like, oh, 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 you just sort of got a bit of the beetroot and dipped it into this sort of cloud of foie gras. And, wow. And goes pretty knockout. Oh, and then, and then like beetroot powder and green oh. garlic powder. So it just, it looked like, it, it, it looked the bomb. Wow. Anyway, sorry, digression. No, 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 that sounds delicious. Are you gonna, have you been to Blue Hill Stone Bar? No, I'm not been. That's like, I mean, not, it's very different to sort of, obviously, our approach, but the food is very mesmerising. It always looks it, but spendy. Yeah, it's yeah. spendy. Very spendy. I'm trying not to think about the credit card bill and just go for it this weekend. Yeah, yeah just sell a lot of sandwiches when you get home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the plan. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> Thank Pleasure. you. Thank Goodbye. you for having me. Ciao. Bye. Oh, hi there. It's James. Um, just interrupting this broadcast to say, if you like the podcast, can you please go onto iTunes, subscribe to it, leave a review, say how much you like it, and maybe get in touch with us. <laughs> Thank you.
Sam and the 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 Sam and the